0: Father, we do thank you so much for this time that we can gather as a church and just make much of your name. And Lord, we do realize that in a lot of our lives, uh, we do need to begin again. There's, there's been some things happen that have caused us to be stagnated, stale. And so, Father, we lift our hands, we lift our souls to begin again. And we gather here today uh, to worship you and to make much of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated as you're being seated if you'll find your Bible and go to Philippians chapter 3. Now, we're in the series that we call Look Up, and we're reminding ourselves to look up to the heavens during this series. And one of the fun things that we have been doing is we've been asking you to submit pictures that you took. Now, that's key here, okay? You have to have taken the picture that you took that would inspire us to look up. And if you have a picture that you want to submit, you can send it to office at murphychurch.com. Well, Christine Rowe submitted this picture this week, and it it was the winner, and that is a picture of Mount McKinley that they took while they were on vacation. Mount McKinley is the largest mountain in North America. It's over 20,000 feet in in, in height, and whenever you see a mountain that high, it definitely inspires you to look up. Paul, you think we should climb it next year? Let's go do it, all right? So, you could probably find our bodies about 14,000 feet in height up on the mountain. You know, one of the hardest things in life is to deal with the mountains of your past. It's, it's really easy for the hurts of your past to ruin your relationships today, to pervert your perspective, to cloud your career, to stunt your growth spiritually, to harden your heart towards God and harden your heart towards others. So let me begin this morning with a question. In your life, in your life, is the past controlling your present? I brought a lunchbox up on stage with me today to illustrate how sometimes our past Controls are present now. It always scares people whenever the the preacher packs a lunch for the sermon because you never know exactly. I mean, that's going to be a long sermon if he's got to take lunch in the middle of it, you know. But but uh, I brought this lunch box. You got you guys like my lunch box? Yeah. Well, the first thing that you might notice is that it's a little bit immature in nature. This is my son Bennett's lunch box. He's one year of age, and so uh, you know sometimes in life. One of the reasons why we get stuck in the past is because we refuse to grow up. I mean, this lunchbox is great for a one-year-old, but it's very foolish for a grown man to be carrying around a little monkey uh, lunchbox. Uh, Let me give you three signs that you may need to grow up. If you are constantly rejecting responsibility, you don't pay your bills on time. Whenever people are counting on you to be someplace. You're always running late. Sometimes you don't even show up. You think that achievement in life is another level on Candy Crush, or you think you're really tough because you can, get, you can kill folks on Halo, and that makes you really tough. You know, Maybe as you reject responsibility, if you're doing that continually, you need to grow up. If you reject relationships, you need to grow up. You're always fighting in all the relationships that you have. The people that you love, you always seem to be in conflict with those people. It's always somebody else's fault. Never my fault. All these relationships around me are strained, but it's never my fault. It's always their fault. Maybe you've become very, very hard to get close to, and you've put up all these walls, and people can't really get close to you, and you don't go towards commitment. You always break things off. Anytime somebody gets serious with you, you're rejecting relationships, it's time to grow up. You reject respect. You drive up FM 544 like you're in Mario Kart 8. You don't look at people in the face whenever you're talking to them. You rebel against any authority sources in your life. It's time to grow up. Whenever we refuse to grow up, in your mind, you, you look really cool. I mean, you think, hey, everybody thinks I'm really with it and everything. But in reality, you're like a grown man walking around with a little... Monkey lunchbox, you look you look really silly. Sometimes we get stuck in the past because we're not growing up. Well, let's see what else is in the lunchbox here. Let me open it up here and see what we have to to eat this morning. Um, this part of the message is brought to you by milk. It does a body good. Well, my wife told me before she gave me this sippy cup full of milk that I was supposed to keep it upright and that didn't happen. And in the lunchbox right now, there's some spilled milk. And that's another thing that causes us to get stuck in the past is sometimes we're crying over what? Spilled milk. spilled milk. I think we have to come to the realization that there will be disappointments in life, that bad things will happen in life. We live in a sin-stained world. We ourselves are saturated by sin. So part of being human is that there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be hurts sometimes I run across people and they say well you know what I wouldn't change a thing about my life well sure you would everybody would I know what you're saying you're saying well I'm glad to be where I am and I've learned from the lessons of the past but all of us if we could go back in time there's some things that we would change there's some decisions that we've made we're like what was I thinking and we would do things a little bit differently if we had another shot at it but here's the problem There is nothing you can do to change your past. It's gone. All that you can change is your today and your tomorrow. But so often, there is no room in our lives for today's blessings because our lives are filled with yesterday's baggage. And I see, folks, that God is blessing them with new relationships and friendships and new opportunities, and sometimes we hydroplane right over those because all we're thinking about is yesterday, and we're letting yesterday rob us of what God has in store for us today. Well, as I look into my lunchbox here, I I see that Stacy's packed me a sandwich, but it's kind of half-eaten, doesn't really look very desirable, and I think I have some dessert in here. Oh, now I'm talking. we got a cupcake here. Everybody look. There's no frosting on it. I mean, who would want? You like that, huh, Ashton? You want it? And no, I'm kidding. I won't give it to you right now. Maybe after the service. Uh, but who would want a cupcake with no frosting on it? I mean, nobody wants a cupcake with no frosting. That's just very, that's very disappointing. You know, sometimes in life, um, <laughs> we have these unfulfilled expectations, And maybe you had a dream for your life, and somewhere in the course of your life, the story changed. Something happened, and all the dreams and all the desires that you had for your life, they never came to fruition. Maybe somebody did you wrong. Evil is real. Maybe someone committed a crime against you. They did things to you that they shouldn't have done. Maybe you expected God to do something and God in His sovereignty chose to do something else. You expected an earthly healing and instead He brought a heavenly healing. You expected a blessing that came in a different form. Sometimes these disappointments, these unfulfilled expectations, they cause us to be stuck in the past. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. And verse 13. He said, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Now, a couple things for us to realize about the Apostle Paul. Number one, he had a checkered past. Before he was Paul, he was known as Saul. He was a up-and-coming Hebrew scholar, and whenever Christianity began to take root there in Jerusalem, Saul made it his personal mission to eradicate Christianity. So he was rounding up Christians and trying to persecute them until God intervened into his path and he became a believer himself. But can you imagine as Paul began going to these various churches and ministering to these Christians, how sometimes his past would just creep up? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I persecuted those people. He talks to a child whose mother and dad he persecuted. And he must have often felt uh, the nightmares of his past holding him back. Paul also had a tremendous resume. And he he had done all sorts of things, and he had planted great churches, he had studied with the great rabbis, and Paul was a very accomplished person, and it would have been very, very easy for him to have said, hey, look at all I've done. Do you know who I am? I'm the Apostle Paul. I've written half the New Testament, I've planted churches, I'm the greatest missionary that's ever lived. Hey, look at me, and it would have been easy for him to have been stuck in his past because of all of his accomplishments from his past. Instead, Paul says this, I refuse. I refuse to live in the past. Instead, I engage the present and I push towards the future. Now, I think we should always learn from the past. I think we should always appreciate our heritage There is way uh, too much neglecting of history that takes place within our culture. We should always learn from the past, appreciate our heritage, but we can never live in the past. You can't afford to live in your past regrets, and you also can't afford to live on your past accomplishments. Instead, we have to engage the present and push towards the future. Now, let me give you three practical things that we must do if we're going to move beyond the past in our lives. The first is that we have to look up to God. We have to look up to God. The greatest prizes in life are eternal. If you think about how the majority of people live their lives, we generally live our lives pursuing prizes that fade, things that are temporal things that don't go with us beyond the grave. And we give countless hours, dollars, and energy towards the pursuit of those temporal things. But the greatest prizes in life are those things which have been created in the image of God, those things which last forever, those things that do not fade. And Paul says, here's my goal in verse 10. My goal is to know Him, And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. You see, whenever I see myself in Christ, when I understand who I am, that I am forgiven, that I have been touched by grace because of Christ, in Christ I have forgiveness of my past. You may have done some things that you regret horribly, but in Christ... You have forgiveness for your past. In Christ, I can live by grace. And I don't have to live my life on the performance treadmill. I don't have to spend all my days thinking, okay, can I be good enough for God to like me? Can I do enough good things for God to extend His love to me? Because He has extended His love to me undeservingly through grace. And in that grace, I can live with a radical freedom. In Christ, I have comfort. Whenever things in life get rough, in Christ, I have hope that there is more to this life than this constant struggle of day-to-day living. In Christ, I have hope that those loved ones who have gone before me, I will see them again because of the hope that I have in Christ. You see, in my life, whenever I am constantly looking back, if I'm always looking back at what was, then I'm going to spend my days filled with regret. I'm going to have disappointment. I'm going to have shame. And depending on how you're wired, you might spend your days filled with pride because you look back at the past and you go, hey, I'm pretty cool. Look at all I've done. If I spend all my days just looking around at others, watching everybody else live and wanting to be like them, I'm going to always be filled with envy. Must be nice. I wish I was like them. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be tired. Hey, it's hard enough to keep up with the Joneses, much less the Joneses and the Smiths and the Johnsons and everybody else. You spend all your time looking around, trying to find the approval of everybody else and trying to be like everybody else, you're going to be exhausted. And if you spend all your days looking forward without looking up, you're going to be filled with fear. Hey, what's, what's going to happen Are we going to be attacked by terrorists? Is there going to be a country for my children and grandchildren to grow up in? You're going to be in the grip of anxiety all the time if you're looking forward without looking up. Later on in the book, Paul reminds us, hey, don't worry about anything. Instead of worrying, go to God in prayer because prayer is the healthy means to express the concerns that you have. But whenever I look up, whenever I look up to God, everything changes because whenever I look up to my heavenly father and I go before him in prayer and I talk to him he molds me and he shapes me and the great thing that changes me changes whenever I look up is my perspective suddenly I see things differently whenever I look up I realize that there is forgiveness in the past there is purpose in the present and there is hope for the future All these things that concern me, all these things that handcuff me, I can keep going. I can move beyond because I've looked up and God is changing my perspective. And I realize that the greatest prizes of life are eternal. We have to look up. We also have to look inside. And we have to replace the lies with truth. Satan will try to handcuff you to your past. He'll try to put you in the grip there and say, okay, you can't move beyond what you've done. And he tries to get you to believe lies. In fact, Jesus said in in the Gospel of John that the native language of the evil one is to lie. He's a habitual liar. And so there's an exercise that I, I encourage people to do. I encourage you to look inside yourself and identify the lies that you have been told. Identify the evil lies that people have told you that are just flat-out wrong. And then look inside God's Word. Now, don't just stop at your mind, well, I'm just going to think positively about these lies that I've been told. No, look inside God's Word and replace those lies with the truth of God. Let me give you some examples. You were told by a parent that you are unloved and unlovable. Well, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. And guess what? That includes you. And God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son so that you might have eternal life with him. And you are not destined to perish. You were told your ugly past can never be forgiven. Well, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 reminds us there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe somebody told you along the way you're a loser. And you'll never change. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre- creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Maybe you were told there's no hope for you. God doesn't have any plans for you. Well, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven reminds us that God knows the plans he has for us. Plans for your welfare and not for your harm to give you a future with hope. Maybe you were told you can't do anything right. Well, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Maybe somebody told you you were stupid. You don't know anything. There's no wisdom in your life. Well, James 1 and verse 5 says, If I'm lacking wisdom... I should ask God. And guess what? God gives generously to all without finding fault. And I love that part of James 1.5 where it says he gives to us wisdom without finding fault. Because whenever I come to God and I say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't understand that this. this is beyond me. He doesn't look at us and say, well, why don't you know? What's wrong with you? He doesn't find fault within us. Instead, he meets us where we are and he gives us the perspective and he gives us the wisdom that we're seeking. Maybe you were told you'll only give up in the end. Well, Psalm 54 and verse 4 says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who will sustain me. Maybe you were told you don't have any talent. There's no contribution you can make. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11 says that God gives his children a spiritual gift just as he determines that God has put within your soul, put within your being some gift that you can use for his kingdom and you can use to make a difference. Maybe you were told you're too scared. You won't do anything because you lack courage. Well, Psalm 23 reminds us that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God is with me. Maybe you were told, ah, oh, this church stuff, God will abandon you. He won't be with you forever. He's just going to leave you. Well, Matthew 28 and verse 20 says that I am with you always to the very end of the age. In our lives, if we're going to move beyond the past, we have to begin identifying those lies that Satan and others have told us. We have to look inside and realize there are some things that I may have believed that are just simply not true. And then we go to the Word of God and we replace the lies with truth and we hang on to that truth. The Bible says in Romans, the righteous will live by faith. It is your faith in God and your faith in what He has said, your faith in his truth that will take you through, mature you, grow you up, help you to discover the blessings of today, help you to walk into the opportunities of tomorrow because the righteous live by faith and I'm no longer going to believe those lies that Satan wants me to believe. I'm going to believe God's truth. Look up, look inside, and then look heavenward. Look heavenward so that You don't lose hope. I think it's really important for Christians to remember what the prize is. So often as Christians, we try to reduce the prize down to something that is really manageable. And so we think, well, the prize of following Jesus is success in life. The prize of following Jesus is better health. The prize of following Jesus is more wealth. In fact, there's a stream of Christianity that's out there called the health and wealth gospel. And a lot of people are flocking to churches because they're being told, if you will follow Jesus, you will be physically healthy and you will be financially wealthy. Well, I do believe that whenever you follow Jesus that uh, and, and follow the principles of the scriptures, it, it's very likely that you might do better in your finances because you're following biblical principles there. If, if you eat and take care of your Bible or your body, your Bible, your body, uh, in a reasonable way, you'll, you'll probably be healthier. And certainly there's great opportunity for success whenever you leave a moral, upright, righteous life. But the prize of Christianity goes beyond the temporal. The prize of Christianity are those things which are eternal. Sometimes within our mindset, we think the prize of Christianity is the elimination of conflict. That if I just follow God, all my problems will go away and he'll make things really easy. But the Bible never promises the elimination of conflict. It does promise a peace that passes all understanding. And that peace is a calm that exists even in the midst of the conflict. So often whenever it comes to Jesus, we try to ride the Jesus train to the destination that we want to achieve. And we think by following Jesus and going to church and doing these great things, I'll arrive at my preferred destination in life. And I hope that you understand that Jesus is not a train that you ride to where you want to get in life. Jesus is the destination. He is the prize. And here's what Paul says in verse 7 of chapter 3. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, his Ph.D., his experiences, his fame." his relationships, all these temporal things that were gained to him. He says, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Christ is the prize. And then in verse 8, he says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things. Because of Jesus, I've lost relationships. I have lost some things in life because sometimes people don't want to associate with me because of my relationship with Christ. Because of Jesus, all these different things that I, I used to consider to be so valuable that they've changed in perspective so that Paul says, Paul says, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider themselves filth, refuse, that which is flushed so that I might gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law. He didn't pursue a prideful righteousness so that everybody can look at Him and say, wow, He's great. But one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection. My goal is to know Him and the power that goes beyond the grave and the fellowship of His sufferings. Hebrews says that for the joy that was set before Him, Christ endured the cross. Even through His suffering, He had a joy. And Paul says there is a fellowship in suffering that even whenever you go through difficult moments, you are fellowshipping with the Lord because He's sustaining you and moving you forward and you're finding the fellowship of suffering being conformed to his death. Christ is the prize. Whatever you do in your theology, do not mismanage hope. Hope is essential to a healthy theology. Hope is essential to the gospel message. There is life beyond the world in which we live. There is hope eternal in Christ. I can only imagine what God has in store for you. Some of you I know pretty well, some of you I'm just getting to know, but I can only imagine what God has in store for you. Whether you're in high school, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're raising kids, whether you're you're empty nesting, (laughs) wherever you are, I believe that there's a reason why you're taking up space and taking in air because God has a future for you. There are things that God desires to do in your life and through your life for His glory. And maybe like Moses and Esther, God has a big assignment waiting for you. Maybe you're going to be one of those people that liberates people from slavery and brings them to radical freedom in Christ. Maybe like Abram and Ruth, God might have a new land, new adventures for you to see and to be a part of. Maybe like Mary and Joseph, God might have called you to to, to raise a child that he has great things in store for. Maybe like Phoebe and Philemon, God might desire to use the resources of your career. To advance his kingdom. Only God knows the future with certainty. But today here's what I know. We have to look up to God. Because when we look up to God. Our perspective changes. We have to look inside. Identify those lies that we've been told. And replace them with the truth of scripture. And we have to look heavenward. So that we don't lose hope. Brothers. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? Musicians are going to come, and they're going to lead us in song. and And during this time, I just encourage you to respond to God, however He might lead you. I'll be here at the front. If today you need to become a follower of Christ, I'd love to talk to you. If there's something that I may pray with you about, it's always my joy to pray with you. Uh, Maybe there's somebody in the room that that you feel led to go and pray with. There's freedom to do that right now. Maybe you'd like to just come and kneel at the front and pray. Perhaps you want to be seated and pray or write out some thoughts that you have right now. I know many of you will join the band in singing. and During that song, I encourage you to sing forth from the depths of your soul. You see, whenever we worship, we encounter God, we encounter His truth, and then our encounter with God and His truth changes us so that we are not the same. And so now let's commit ourselves to pressing forward. Let's commit ourselves to experiencing God's best today and God's best tomorrow. Father, we thank You so much for who You are. We thank You that You are the great prize. And Father, we pray that we might find joy and contentment in you. Lord, help us to live the life that you have called us to and help us, Lord, to seek to bring glory to you in everything. And may your glory reign in our marriage, in our parenting, in how we see our community as we walk into our places of work, the places where we buy groceries into the little kids' activities. May, May the living water of Jesus Christ just be flowing in our lives so that people are drawn to the cross. And Lord, I pray that you will drain the venom from our souls so that we do not repel people from your cross. I pray, Lord, that you might do a work in us. And Lord, I pray for that person that's here today that is handcuffed to his or her past. I pray that they might be free today, that they will start living and enjoying the blessings that you have for them today. And I pray for that person that has lost hope and thinks that there is no tomorrow and there is nothing that you can do through them. I pray that you might show them that you have plans and you have have things in store for them that they could never imagine, and may they go forward in faith and experience the blessings that you have today and tomorrow. Lord, you are a great, gracious God, and we thank you for your grace, and we sing in it, we live in it, and we find our freedom in our lives within you. And so now we proclaim to you our worship in Jesus' name.